Thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. Will you stand with me as uh, we read from uh, the Word of the Lord? As we work through the message this morning and come to the conclusion, I'm going to uh, ask you to prayerfully uh, make a a commitment uh, today that uh, we would serve the Lord uh, together in our community. So I'd like you to be praying about that as we work through the message this morning. And as we get to the conclusion, uh, to uh, pray about your role and your uh, commitment to the work of the Lord uh, through through this local local church. Revelation chapter five, uh, just a, uh, just a tiny bit of context. We'll do a little more in a minute. But four and five are kind of a a window into the throne room of heaven. And so uh, chapter 5 is uh, part of that. We're kind of peering in with uh, John, uh, the revelator, the writer of, uh, of the book of Revelation and the vision that he saw. We're kind of peering in with him into the throne room of, of heaven. And so I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. We're going to read through uh, the end of the chapter. John says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has come so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again uh, for the public reading of Scripture, and we thank you uh, for the means which you have uh, chosen uh, to speak your word and to speak your truth 
to us, which is through the preached word. You said, how shall they know unless someone uh, preached to them? And so, God, I pray today that uh, through this act, which you have established, uh, the act of preaching, God, that our hearts would be encouraged today and that we would come to a point of committing, Lord, ourselves, committing, Lord, our energies and our focus to that which you have called us to do, both as a local church and as the greater body of Christ in our community, to see uh, this city, this community, surrounding counties, come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we pray that in this life, Lord, those who we meet in our community, those who we pass by in the grocery store, those who we see in the workplace, that in this life their knee would bow and their tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For we know, O oh God, that your word speaks to us, that there will be a time when every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, that Jesus Christ is Lord. But God, we pray that as many as we can reach with the gospel, as many as we can share the message of hope, will do so in this life, that they do not face the eternal judgment in the life that is to come by refusing Jesus as Lord. And so, God, we thank you in this moment that you would speak to us and guide us and lead us. And we just pray that you would move according to the power of the Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When you read through the book of Revelation, uh, the book of Daniel, uh, other places, maybe a chapters or two uh, within other areas of Scripture, what you find, uh, particularly in the book of Revelation, is a type of literature called apocalyptic uh, literature. It's different, it's unique, and it has to do with the end of the age. It has to do with things that are to come. It's written uh, very differently than what you and I might read in terms of like a good book or a good uh, story, just the writing of apocalyptic literature, the writing of the book of Revelation. Again, it's written in a different way, a different understanding. We kind of have to wrap uh, our mind around it a little bit. It's not necessarily meant to be read in a linear fashion, the way you might read a good novel or a good book that you'd kind of sit down and open. That's not really the way the book of Revelation is meant uh, to be read. In fact, it's a vision that was given to John that John then writes down for us. And sometimes John, if you, if you kind of look at the book, it's kind of as you read through, he sort of, uh, the, the Bible calls him and it says kind of look over here and he writes what he's seeing over here and then look over here and he kind of begins writing over here. Now, now look back over here and we're kind of back in this scene again. So it's a, it's a back and forth kind of understanding of God sort of speaking to us and yet the book of Revelation is often seen, even by those of us in the church, as something really difficult to understand, but it's not meant to be difficult to understand. It's meant to be the revelation or the uncovering of Jesus Christ, the, the revealing of who he is and, and uh, why he is coming at the end of the age and what is going to happen. It's meant to be a book that gives us understanding that Jesus Christ will stand in victory at the end of the age. But we also have to realize that John is communi communicating to us what he saw 
with his language and his understanding and his ability of 2,000 years ago. So put, put yourself in the place of someone maybe in the 1800s and that God gives you a vision of things today. You live in the 1800s, you have language of the 1800s, but God gives you a vision of people driving in vehicles, talking on cell phones, watching a television. Your language does not, is not even able to communicate the things that you would be seeing in that vision. This is why sometimes for us on this side, we have to sort of place ourselves in the place of the writers of the books of the New Testament to gain better understanding, to to understand what it was like to receive a vision from the Lord. As we look at the book of Revelation, the big picture, the big picture that needs to come out of our reading of the book is that Jesus is worthy of all worship because of his redemptive acts on behalf of mankind. Because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He took our place upon the cross. He himself bore in his body the wrath of God so that you and I would not have to bear that. And he is worthy of all worship and all honor and all glory because of that. When you read through Revelation 1 through 3, these are messages uh, to the churches, literal churches in John's day, but messages that apply to you and I as well in our day. And as I mentioned earlier, chapter 4 opens with this picture of what is going on in uh, the throne room, and that continues through chapter 5. In chapter 5, we see this one on the throne 24 elders around the throne and four living creatures, which are described for us in chapter four. There is a book in the hand of the one on the throne, who I believe is God the Father, with seven seals. And there is this search that commences by the proclamation of an angel, of someone who is worthy to open this book and the seven seals seals. And John is is so caught up in this vision that when no one is found, he begins to weep because there's no one that is found that is able to open this book and to open the seals that are upon it. And one of the elders sees John apparently and looks to him and says, stop weeping, stop crying, John, because there is one, the lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome and is worthy to open this book and to open the seven seals. And this is Jesus. This lion of the tribe of Judah is Jesus. And when the elder mentions this, John sees the Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit standing near the throne. And what John sees, he describes as looking like a lamb that was slain. Jesus takes the book, from the one on the throne, and the act of him simply retrieving the book, simply touching it, taking it in his hand, initiates a powerful scene of worship in heaven. The elders worship, the living creatures worship, the angels worship, and the redeemed worship. 
Now again, our human mind cannot comprehend what's going on in this moment. But to think just by simply the one who was worthy to take the book in his hand, all of heaven in the throne room begins to exalt in worship. What an awesome scene that John must have saw. What a glorious and wonderful scene that John was privileged to look at. And when we read through this chapter and we see what's going on and what is happening in this moment, we see that those things that exalt the Lord, the elders, the living creatures, the angels, the redeemed, those things that exalt Christ, those are the things that we find in the throne room of God. Those are the things that we find in the throne room of God. Those are the things that God wants to be in the presence of, that God has ordained to be in his presence. Those things that exalt and keep Christ as the central focus, that is what is found in his very presence. In the series that we've been in over the last several weeks, I've, I've listed or titled the series as, as Rocks, Ditches, and Bowls, because that's what we've been talking about, getting the rocks out of our life, prayerfully digging some ditches in our community to receive the water of the Holy Spirit in our community that people would come to, the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then of many, many, many things that we could focus on in uh, chapter 5. I believe that today the Lord would have us focus on one instrument of worship that is in the throne room, and that is the bowls of the prayers of uh, the saints. And so I'd like us to, to think about these two aspects of what is going on in the throne room, the centrality of Christ, Christ being uh, the center, and the power of prayer in the throne room of heaven. When we come to, together in worship as a community, you and I are, are human. I'm human when I'm coming in to, to worship. You're human. So we have things that are processing in our mind as we come together. You know, I'm thinking, are all my kids in the seat together? What are they doing when maybe I have my eyes closed? What's that one over there doing? My mind is kind of rolling. Are things going okay? And so what we kind of have to do in those moments is begin to sort of push those things away so that we can get begin to focus in on the centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ. So of, of all the things that we bring with us, one of the reasons why we begin with prayer and worship is so that you and I would begin to cut away or move away or, or push away some of the periphery things that don't have to do with the centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. And, and the beauty of congregational worship when you and I are singing together, when we're lifting our hands together, when we're worshiping God together, is that in unity we are exalting Jesus. We're all pushing towards that same goal of Jesus being the central figure in the midst of this particular sanctuary. 
That's what we want to do in Sunday morning worship. We want Jesus to be the focus, Jesus to be the center. And everything that we're doing is to try to facilitate a congregation of however many people it is saying, Jesus is the central focus. As I lift up praise from my lips, I'm focusing my attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes that is a willful act of pushing aside all of those periphery things, saying, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm not going to think about that right now. What I'm going to think about is what is the central focus of my life, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God's will that Jesus would be exalted in worship for his redemptive work of humankind. Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6 that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's happening in heaven, what is happening in the throne room is every Everything is pointing toward this exaltation of Jesus. And if we want to fulfill Jesus' prayer and act in the place of Jesus' prayer, you and I must also realize the centrality of Christ in our life and in our church. Jesus has to be the center. Jesus has to be the center. John sees Jesus as the lamb slain. Again, a clear reference to Jesus' work on the cross. Theologians say that Jesus was the substitution, his substitutionary atonement for us. What that means is he was our substitute. We should have been there. We deserved death. We deserve for God's wrath to be poured out on us. And yet Jesus became our substitute. He stepped in our place. He took upon himself the wrath of God. So that you and I would not have to be punished. You and I would not have to receive the wrath of God. You and I would not have to be the recipients of eternal torment separated from God. Jesus became our substitute. He was the only one worthy to be our substitute because he was the only one without sin. He was the only one who could step in who didn't have a penalty to pay. I had a penalty to pay. You had a penalty to pay. But Jesus stepped in for you and me. This is why he is worthy of our worship. And I think at times we don't fully comprehend or fully realize the value of what Christ has done. This is why there are those who are very exuberant in worship because they realize the depths of where they were and the glory of what Jesus has done. The power which happened on the cross for Jesus to step into our place. He is the one who has overcome. He is the one who has redeemed all of humanity, which baffles me at times that there are those who continue to refuse his work on the cross, continue to refuse his free gift. There's recognition in the heavenly 
throne room of the worthiness of Christ to take the heavenly book because he was this lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If it's God's will that things be done on earth as it is in heaven, then again, you and I must have as our focus, personally and corporately as a church, the centrality of Christ in all things here for as long as we live. It's a mandate from the Lord to make him central in the earth, go into all the world and preach the centrality of Christ and baptize converts who have made Christ the central focus of their life. That's the point of what we do as a church. That's the point of what we're seeking to do in our community is to go into all the world and preach the message that Jesus Christ was to substitute for you, received upon himself the wrath of God so that you don't have to, if you believe in his atoning sacrifice, that his sacrifice was enough. If you believe that, then you too can be saved, brought into the family of God and are no longer one who is who the wrath of God will be executed upon. On. We preach that message, which is foolishness to the world, but it's the hope to those of us who are being redeemed. Amen. So this is why we must, as a people, as we keep Christ a central focus, if we believe the message of the cross, we're called both to continually, Paul talks about this kind of continually reminding ourselves, essentially preaching it back to ourselves, but also going into the areas in which the Lord has placed us and sharing the message of hope as well. You've been given a job by the grace of God in order that not Simply that you may earn an income, but that you may go and share the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, the centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and what he has done for those who have not heard or those who have not been obedient. In our community, we are responsible as a church not simply to come into these four walls and say, yes, we've worshipped, yes, we sang, yes, we've done this, yes, we've been together, yes, we fulfilled our obligation for church. We are responsible to also go out and to proclaim in all the world that Jesus is the central figure of all humanity and that he was the substitution for you and for me on the cross. Amen. We're responsible for that message. We're commanded if we're in the kingdom to share that message of hope. Unfortunately, in a day of uh, professionals. We have professionalized ministry. And what we have said often in the church is we pay the preacher in order to go and tell. Dropping money in the offering is my opportunity to support someone else to go and do the work. And I believe, I believe in the support of those who are doing the work, but I also believe that that doesn't absolve us of the responsibility to open our mouths and share the gospel as well. We're responsible. What is going on in heaven to also be done here on the earth. Jesus in the throne room of God as a central focus. God, help us to bring to our city and our community Jesus as a central focus of Charlottesville. Jesus as a central focus of Albemarle and of Green and of Nelson and of Rockingham and whatever other counties are around here. That Jesus would be the central focus. 
going into all the world and sharing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this throne room where Jesus is the center of all the worship that is happening, there is this bowl of incense. There are 24 elders, and each one is holding a harp and a golden bowl, the scripture says, full of incense. There's a lot of things which are somewhat veiled in the book of Revelation, apocalyptic literature. You see that sometimes there's symbols that you kind of have to dig in and discern a little more. And there's times when the scripture is very clear what this, what this is. And when the scripture says this is what it is, we ought to believe, okay, this is what it is. You know, sometimes people keep trying to read under kind of layers of symbolism and all of these other things. But when scripture says, okay, these are the golden bowls full of incense, and this is what this is, then we ought to believe that at face value. And it says that these golden bowls of incense, what is in them are the prayers of the saints. That's what's in these golden bowls of incense are the prayers of the saints. My mom uh, was, she loved to bake. Uh, I can remember as a boy that uh, often uh, in order to kind of help make ends meet when I was young, uh, my mom would bake uh, cakes, like character cakes and wedding cakes and those sort of things. And even, you know, seven or eight-year-old boy, I can remember being in the back of the car holding uh, a wedding cake uh, as my mom transported it to where it was going, trying to make sure that it didn't slide off the plate. Uh, and uh, my mom, you know, she, she baked uh, her, her whole life as I was growing up. And I can remember even when I would be uh, away from home at college, there would be times when I would be down in Tennessee on a Friday and I'd think I want to go home. And I would do the silliest thing that I would never let my kids do, which is leave down near Chattanooga about 2, two o'clock in the afternoon and drive through uh, to get to my parents' house at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And I can always remember almost all of those times when I would get home, there would be something my mom had baked on the stove. Whether it was a pie or apple dumplings, which was my favorite, um, other things that would be there. This time of year, you know, when we would go and visit, I can remember, you know, walking in the house and you'd smell what was cooking, you know, sweet potato biscuits or some of those things. Uh, not muskrat. Some of you, we talked about muskrat. Mom didn't make muskrat for Thanksgiving. <laughs> But uh, it was an aroma in the house. So you would, you would go in and you would, you would smell the aroma. A lot of you may experience that this week as you go into your own home or go into family's home. You kind of walk in and just kind of an aroma sort of hits you. And that aroma actually can kind of transport you to almost another time. Have you ever felt that where you go, you kind of have a smell and it, oh, this reminds me of my childhood. But this reminds me of this time in my life. And this is kind of the idea of what is going on in heaven, that these golden bowls that the elders have that are full of the prayers of the saints, that it is incense that is putting off an aroma within the throne room. And, and what we ought to think about and what we ought to understand here is that the, the, the smell of the throne room of heaven is populated by the prayers that you and I pray. See, when, when we take up the offering this morning, you can't take that money and put it in the throne room. You can't 
You can't take anything physical here out of your pocket and say, I want to I put that in the throne room of God. The, 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 the penetrating spear from, from this life or this existence into the very presence of God is the prayers that we pray that are somehow captured in these bowls by the elders that continually kind of waft off an aroma that God wants to smell over and over where his presence dwells. The prayers of the saints, those who have committed themselves to the centrality of Christ, those who have said, I've accepted Jesus as a substitutionary atonement for my sins. I've accepted him. I believe in him. The prayers of the saints who seek to exalt Jesus as both the central figure of world history and the central figure of my life. Bowls of incense in the heavenly throne room. Your prayers, our prayers, as we seek the Lord, we're actually pressing into the aroma in God's presence. When I think about the weekend a few weeks ago where we, where we prayed together, the thought about that time, I thought, we're, we're, we're filling these bowls of incense. We're continually putting into the bowls of incense before the Lord, reminding him of our love, reminding him of our understanding that Jesus is the center. Jesus is the central focus. Over the course of this series, as we have talked about, Pursuing holiness, that, that removing of the rocks in our life. Because what happens, see, the, the rocks keep you from praying. The, the desire for earthly things keeps you from a desire for heavenly things. This is why personal holiness is important. Being like Jesus is important. We ought to strive to be more like Christ so that we desire the things that Christ desired. And what did Christ desire to do? We often see him over and over and over again retreating to pray. Look at John 17, just before he was crucified. And the prayer that he has, the desire that he has to glorify God and God to be magnified. The desire that he has to share the glory with the Father. Removing the rocks in our lives so that we become more Christ-like, that he is a central figure in your life and in my life. As we think about our community, we ought to think about our community. Digging those ditches that we are doing so because we desire to see Christ as a central figure in our city, in our community, in the area surrounding Charlottesville. That's part of what God has called us to do. Our personal transformation, our community transformation is important because as believers... It helps us to make Christ the central focus of who we are as individuals, but also Christ the central focus of our community. Now, I've asked you to imagine this before. Imagine if this city 
and the surrounding communities, Albemarle, Green, Madison, Nelson, Fluvanna, uh, Louisa, on out that way, what, Rockingham, on out that way. Imagine if there is this swell of people who say, Jesus is going to be the central focus of my life. If there is a move among people where there is this turning to Jesus, where there is God's will that is happening in heaven, where Jesus is the center, that that comes down and intersects in this community, in this city, and these surrounding, surrounding counties, and people begin to exalt the name of Jesus. Imagine the transformation that takes place in people's lives. Imagine the deliverance that happens. Imagine the businesses that get shut down and the businesses that get raised up. Imagine the things that happen when a community is focused upon Jesus being the center. We've been praying about our city and this area, Central Virginia, for a while. We've been seeking the Lord, asking the Lord. I shared with you last week that there was kind of an opportunity that sort of came about. A church was uh, closing down. We thought, God, are you trying to help us? Are you trying to say something here about what's going on in the inner city? And we believe God has opened that door. That we've signed a short-term, low-cost lease on that exact same property to be a mission base in our city. Amen. It's not about a building. It's not about a facility. It is about people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus. As I've, as I've walked that community this week, as I've driven around that community this week, what I see, I actually called a sister here at church, and I, I said, I see a lot of signs in the community claiming and crying out for justice. What does that mean in a spiritual realm? What does that mean to us as a people of God and what we should be doing in this community? What I can tell you is that when a community becomes focused on Jesus Christ, that a lot of the things that we find ourselves fussing about fall to the wayside. Just like in a church, when a church gets its focus off the centrality of Christ, they begin fussing about small things. And I praise the Lord that you and I have kept our focus on who Jesus is. As I thought about our, our, our team that kind of helps us to, to lead and speaks into kind of direction and vision, I thought we probably have well over, if you kind of add it all up, well over 100 years of ministry experience. And we can say, praise the Lord for that. And I do say praise the Lord for that. But I also say there's nothing that's prepared us for where we're going. And if we just want to sit back and do things the way that we've always done them, well, we may continue to get the same results. Someone shared with me uh, this week in Mark chapter 2, there was a lame man. How did most lame people or sick people, people who need healing, how did they, how did they come to Jesus? They, they, they came to Jesus by being kind of brought to him, laid in front of him, or uh, Jesus would see them and he would reach out and heal them. But there were some people who had done some things in a way which had never been done before. That's right. And they went up on a roof. We can't get in. Jesus, we can't get to you that way. Uh, we can't kind of get through the crowd here. We can't sort of go in through a window. There are some people who said, we've got to get to Jesus in a different way. And so they start ripping the roof off. 
And they just lower the guy down in a pallet right before the Lord. And what's the Lord going to do? He's going to respond, right? We see a good and gracious Jesus. He's not going to say, I didn't expect this. No, we see a good and gracious Jesus who responds to the creativity of people who say we want to be in his presence. We want to get this in his presence so that it gets fixed. And you and I are called to get our city, get our community. If we're dealing with stuff in our life, get it before Jesus so it gets fixed, so it can be healed, and we can focus ourselves and focus our community on the Lord Jesus Christ being exalted. You'll see I've got the last section of my my notes here. Normally I write out, I, I, I tend to try to not fly by the seat of my pants. So I try to pray and think, God, what would you have spoken to this people this morning? And I pray about how to kind of sort of land the plane and bring us to a place of commitment. Except for my handwritten note right here, what, what you see at the end, it just says conclusion. <laughs> conclusion. There's, I was praying. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. God, how, how are we con- going to conclude something like this? I believe you're calling us to invest in our city, to see what you're going to do. But God, this isn't just kind of a uh, lay it out to the congregation and say, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. You all participate now. We've all got to catch the vision here. We've all got to have understanding. And as I was Thinking about that, even uh, this, this morning, Brother Ron Tyler came. Well, I'm going to ask you, brother, to kind of come here and stand in the front. And actually, I'd like to ask our, our ministry, if you're serving any kind of uh, leadership role at the church, um, uh, ministry leaders, board, uh, CR, other things you're serving in any of that, just come and stand with this dear brother. This brother came over and he just, he spoke to me. He said, God spoke to me. And God spoke to me and he uh, said, I, I, want, I want to extend the right hand of fellowship to this church. And what that, what that means is I want to commit to what this community is called to. I want to commit to what God is speaking to us as a community. And I want to stand and I want to uh, be one who is part of what God is doing. And I think that's a commitment that we all have to think through. Maybe today is your first Sunday with us. You say, hey, I'm not ready for that. Well, that's okay. But I think a vast majority of you know what it's about here. And I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want to ask you that if you're willing to commit to make Jesus a central focus of your life, of this church, and of this city, I want to ask you to come and stand with us. And we're going to have a prayer to ask God by the power of his Holy Spirit to help us. So if everyone would stand, if you're willing to commit to that, come forward and let's seek the Lord. Let's seek the Lord uh, together. We're going to pray. I appreciate Brother Ron's obedience to the Lord. We're going to pray for him. We're going to see what the Lord will lead us 
uh, to do as a people committed to his mission and his vision in this local church to see Jesus exalted, see Jesus as a central figure of Charlottesville and around. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now and we ask God by your mighty hand, by your power, that you would help us, Lord Jesus. God, as this brother, I believe, has acted in the grace of the Lord to say, God spoke to me. Lord, I pray by your hand that you would help the rest of us who are here to say we will commit to labor together, Lord, to see your name exalted in this city, to see your name exalted in this church family, to see your name exalted in my life, O Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, God, as the prayers are being uh, received even now into the heavenly place, O Lord, as there is a sweet aroma in the nostrils, as it were, of God. Lord, we pray in this moment that you would help us as a people, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and understanding, God, to understand that maybe we have experience, maybe we have understanding, but God, I believe you're doing a new thing. I believe you're leading us in a new way. I believe, God, that we're going to have to lean even more strongly upon your power, even more strongly upon your wisdom, even more strongly upon your grace, oh God. We're going to have to search your understanding, God. We're going to have to pray even more, Lord Jesus, to understand your will, oh God, because I do believe, Lord, in this day, you are calling us to a new thing, God, that we would be faithful towards that task, towards lifting up Jesus. God, I pray that within this city, within Charlottesville, Virginia, Lord God, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up as a banner. Lord God, I pray that in this surrounding area that there will be souls who will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, that there would be true belief in their life, Lord God, not just simply an intellectual assent that there may have been a Jesus who did a work at some point, but God, there would be an understanding that there was Jesus Christ, God of the universe, who stepped down from heavenly glory who gave himself as a ransom for many, they would believe upon that promise and they would go and share the message of hope with others that Jesus would become the central focus of their life as well. God, we pray that Jesus Christ would be lifted up in our city. We pray that Jesus Christ would be lifted up in our counties surrounding. Lord God, we pray that Jesus Christ would be lifted up in Virginia, oh God. We pray, Lord God, that Jesus Christ Christ would be lifted up in this country and that your name would be lifted up throughout the whole world. God, we know and we understand that people are looking for something. People are disheartened in this day. People are afraid. People are fearful. People don't know what to expect. But God, we can give them the one sure hope that exists and that is the Lord Jesus Christ who died upon Calvary's cross, who made a way that they could escape the wrath of God. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us. As our dear missionary sister has explained today, the gospel must be the primary focus. The gospel must be what we share, what we preach, what we teach, what we believe, God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And we stand together, oh God, committing ourselves, committing our hearts, Lord Jesus.
that who to seek you earnestly today. Free indeed, Lord God. And we thank you for the freedom, Lord God. For the freedom we thank you, Lord God. That's what we have only in Jesus. We want to burn so hot for you, God. We want to burn so bright for you, Jesus. Lord, we want you to be Lord in the center of everything that we think and do. Oh God, and we're going to say, God, I pray, on this day we committed to serve you, Lord God. On this day we committed to follow your vision, Lord God. And as we look back, Lord God, we see, Father, how you have met the needs, Lord God. How you have pushed us on, Lord God, to persevere, Lord God, to bring you glory, Lord, and to bring others, Father God. Be glorified in this day, Lord God. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God. Yes, Lord Jesus. For your revelation, Lord God, of your power, Father God. Lord, we sing a new song unto you, Lord God. We sing a new song unto you. A new song, Lord God. A new song we sing unto you, Father God. Lifting you up, Jesus. Lord, I pray, yes, take us in a deeper place. Give us a new song, that we can sing all over the city, God. Give us a new song of who you are, your revelation, your redemption, your glory, that we would sing unto you all over this place, God. Oh, yes, the King of Israel. Let your glory cover this city, God. Let your glory cover this region, God. I pray, God, use me, God. Use everybody in this church. Use all the other churches to sing of your glory, to declare your greatness, God, your salvation. Your mercy, God, set every church on fire, God, with the gospel. Set every church on fire, Lord, with the desire to follow you and to serve you, God. That, Lord, this city would be known all over the world as a place where Jesus Christ is, where Jesus Jesus Christ is King, that no we other man would supersede Jesus, that you would be yes, lifted up above Lord every man, Jesus. above every institution, no that we would talk about in newspapers, God. TV reports, God, all over the world, and we know that as short as no Jesus Christ is King, and we would declare it boldly, God, oh Lord, please, God, do this work in this city. Let it be done in the city of God. And when your work was yes, finished, Lord God, God, it didn't mean you were finished, Lord God. You're still with us, Lord God. You see this. And you ran to We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you, for your grace. We love you, God. Yes, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, whatever, God, use me, Jesus. Use me, Jesus. Have, the, have all of us, oh, God. Lord, we thank you this morning. God, we thank you for your gracious hand of compassion and love. And Lord, we stand together as a people who want to be committed to lifting up Christ. Lord, I pray in our own lives, God, first, Lord Jesus, we desire to be Christ-like, Christ-like. So Lord, whatever sin, whatever 
difficulty that we're struggling with, whatever things the enemy is throwing at us, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would bring healing and deliverance in the name of Jesus. Lord, that there is a people who will stand with clean hands and a pure heart that fear would no longer plague. That doubt would no longer plague anyone. But there would be confidence in your work, Lord Jesus. Confidence in the finished work upon the cross. Confidence in what you have done for us, O oh Lord. God, I pray that as a community who seeks to stand together, Lord, that we would say with one voice, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. That together, Lord God, we would exalt that there is that Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world, whose name is Jesus, and He alone is worthy of praise. He alone is worthy of exaltation in our church and in our community, O oh God. Lord God, we will pray into that. We will ask you for opportunity. We will ask you for grace. We will ask you for understanding, God, that even when it seems like we're not quite sure what's going on, God, when we don't necessarily see the immediate results of our prayer, we stand firm to know that Christ will be Lord of our city. Christ will be Lord of our community. Christ, the name of Jesus, will be raised up as a banner over Central Virginia. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I can see Jesus on his throne. I lifted up. <laughs> so, God, we thank you. The witness of your spirit this morning. I pray, God, that we would labor together in, in joy and in peace. Lord, that as we work together in the harvest, that there will be such a joy among us, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You are in this place, Jesus. You put your throne in this place. God, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord. Just where we are together, without here at the altar together, let's let's sing this song together. Let's let's lift up our voices as we push the other things away, and as we seek to focus our hearts on Jesus this morning.
Take these mouths this week as we walk through our, our neighborhoods and our homes, as we uh, meet together with friends and family. Lord, may we live your grace. May your word be upon our lips and your name in our mouth this week. Lord, we give it all to you. We lay it all down, Lord. We lay it all at your feet. We bless your holy name today, Lord. How good you are. How good and merciful to us. Go with us this week with your peace, with your grace. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you this morning. We dedicate Riverstone to you, Lord. We dedicate Charlottesville and all areas around us to you today, Lord. We want your name to be exalted above every name, every name. Thank you for redeeming for yourself people from every tribe and language and nation and tongue, from all over the world. Lord, we want your name to be lifted up in this place. Glory to your name, Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of his promises and plans for your life.